Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight. I'm here today with Paul Ash, executive director of the San Francisco Food Bank. We're going to talk about hunger in one of the world's richest cities, the uptick in food pantries at San Francisco colleges, and of course, where he goes for his favorite burrito. Paul Ash, thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. You recently celebrated your 30th anniversary as director of the SF Food Bank, which is quite a feat. Not many people stay in their jobs that long these days. Why have you stuck it out for that many years? Well, you know, I'm so attracted to the idea of being able to help people with a resource that we are otherwise be, would be throwing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that proposition alone, and there are many other things, but that proposition alone uh, keeps me at the food bank. Uh-huh. Um, I was reading up on on some stats on your website, and when you started 30 years ago, the food bank was distributing 3 million pounds of food a year. Now it's up to 48 million pounds a year. Is that right? Yeah, it was pretty scrappy uh-huh. back in 1989. Um, you know, we had a borrowed warehouse that the city was leasing to us for a dollar a month. It leaked, didn't have any refrigeration. The water wasn't drinkable. There was no bathroom. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it was, it <laughs> was hardship do? duty. Well, there was a bathroom over at the Esprit Cafe, which oh, wow. was nearby. So it was kind of a circular problem because you'd buy coffee. And, and, <laughs> and then need the bathroom yeah, more. The right. bathroom. <laughs> and now you're on Pennsylvania. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we um, raised about $7 million and uh, built a building in 1997, mm-hmm. and that just changed things for us, just to have you know, loading docks and space to store food and refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Big, big change. Right. And how many square feet is that? Uh, it's around 60,000 square feet, including the office space. Wow. And that's where you work? That's where I am. Uh-huh. What is your day like on an average day? Well, I usually come in early, and that's more of a fo- uh, of a condition of the commute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can just get in earlier. Uh, I'll usually uh, check email, uh, sign some donor letters. I, I, I still believe it's important that that for as many donors as I can, I can I can sign letters uh-huh. and write a note and recognize them and and feel like I have a personal relationship. Although it's harder as a larger organization. How many donors do you have now? We probably have around 30,000 donors oh, wow. uh, that, that are actively making contributions, you know, uh-huh. many of them, you know, five, ten, fifty dollars And mm-hmm. then fortunately, we have some with, with more zeros. <laughs> That's good. Um, the food bank produces a missing meals report. I was wondering if you could um, walk us through kind of the, the crisis of hunger in San Francisco, which is counterintuitive because we have so much wealth here. And yet there are so many people who aren't sure where their next meal is going to come from. Yeah, that is the big question. I think that's on a lot of people's minds. How can we be this successful and this unsuccessful at yeah. the same time? Mm-hmm. Uh, our missing meals report is our effort to capture, uh, you know, or answer the question for that people often ask is, well, what's the delta? When will we be done? If we feed this many more people, when will everyone be fed? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we we hired a researcher who was at Stanford at the time. Now he's at Columbia, uh, and he helped us devise this this calculation that takes into account 
what people can spend mm -hmm. on for food for themselves. That's what we see missing from many studies. Uh, what government programs are providing, school meals, the uh, uh, food stamp program, uh, what nonprofits are providing, the food bank and our partners. Uh, and then what's left is the delta from mm -hmm. pe what people need. Uh, and, it, and it's large, 35 million meals between San Francisco and Marin counties every year. Uh, there's still, we have a long way to go. We, we have kind of turned a corner or sort of come over a crest, if you will. Uh, we, we've seen fewer missing meals the last few years. Um, we're having a little trouble teasing out of the data exactly what that is. We, we think some of what we're doing is working, but we also think that, that some low-income people are leaving San Francisco in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those 35 million meals, are people just not eating three meals a day or... What is happening with those missing meals? Well, the study can't tell us precisely what people are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we know the strategies. People skip meals. People eat lightly. Uh, people, you know, go hungry. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's the problem. That's in a nutshell. Um, but the study itself doesn't tell us how people, uh, how people solve the problem themselves. Mm -hmm. And are people surprised when they learn that so many residents of this super rich city are going hungry on a regular basis? Yeah, I think it is surprising. You know, we, we don't, I guess more and more people can see, you know, on the streets, uh, you know, one face uh, of hunger, mm -hmm. the, the homeless population. Uh, but the real big population that we're serving are the elderly mm -hmm. who, who struggle. Um, students are a growing piece of the pie, college students. We oh, really? Have, we have pantries at colleges now. Which colleges? Uh, San Francisco State, uh, USF. Uh, the the junior college system supports pantries. In uh, the other day, I was reading that that college that, that student debt is the second pool, second largest pool of credit uh, in the country after mortgage credit. So mm -hmm. larger than credit card debt. Wow! And so students, um, even though they're enrolled in full time college, don't have enough to eat. Right. Uh, is that a know, new phenomenon? I hadn't heard about that before. It, it is new. Uh, even during the economic downturn in 07, 08, when we were working with these very same colleges to, to use them as places that we could open pantries so people could come onto their campus, that wasn't the case. Uh, but in this short 10-year period of time, uh, college students themselves, because of the unaffordability of, of school, um, you know, need help. Wow. And um, what, did, what are other people that you're serving on a regular basis? Is it families, little kids? or We have a lot of families that we serve, and we do that primarily through our healthy children's pantries that we, that we operate out of schools. Uh, we have 45 schools in San Francisco and Marin where we bring food, mm -hmm. and in cooperation with, uh, with the faculty and mostly with volunteers at the schools, um, at the beginning of the day, end of the day, uh, parents can come by and pick up 28, 29 pounds of, of fresh fresh produce mm -hmm. and, and groceries. Uh, it's all done farmer's market style. All of our pantries are farmer's market style, so people can choose the food they want. Mm -hmm. What is the most popular food? What goes the fastest? Well, protein is the most popular. Uh, that's an expensive item, uh, and, and people, you know, that's an out-of-the-pocket purchase. There, mm -hmm. There's no way around it, and, mm -hmm. and it's pricey. So, so people really like it when we're able to provide, you know, a dozen eggs, uh, frozen chicken, things mm -hmm. like that, peanut butter, canned, canned meats, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, the produce is also popular because it's kind of one of those things that people uh, pass by in the stores, especially uh, the elderly. Mm -hmm. uh, they... Uh, won't shop in the produce aisle just because the, the, the proposition, the cost per calorie is, uh, 
is not not high mm-hmm. uh, or, or is high. Uh, so they typically shop in in other aisles. Mm-hmm. And what is the food that's most likely to be left over at the end? Are least popular. You know, we we always have one or two items that we've probably supplied for several weeks in a row, uh-huh. like cabbage. Maybe on the sixth <laughs> weeks of Nobody cabbage. Likes cabbage. Yeah. Well, cabbage is actually good. It, you know, <laughs> coleslaw is great and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes we're guilty of, of too many weeks of cabbage. You know, we, <laughs> we need to give people a, a break, and and we get the feedback from the pantry. So the next week, you get a cabbage vacation for a few weeks. <laughs> Uh, and substitute with other other uh, kinds of produce. Uh huh. And I've been to the food bank several times with my son. Um, his um, elementary okay. school volunteers okay. there on a regular basis, and it's just such a huge operation. Can you walk us through where the food comes from, what you do with it, and then like the whole process yeah. from yeah. beginning to end? Well, in the '90s, our food came almost exclusively from food manufacturers and retailers. It was it was dry product. Um, in the early 2000s, after we built this new warehouse, uh, we were seeing those donations sort of dry up. Remember, the dollar stores were opening oh, up right. and those mm-hmm. companies were selling the food that they used to donate. Uh, so we looked around and said, gee, we're in California. I think uh, produce is what we ought to, be, ought to be focusing on. So we started working with farmers and growers and packers up and down the San Joaquin Valley uh, to get produce donated. Mm-hmm. And now we've extended that all the way up into Washington and Oregon and Idaho down to Arizona, even northern Mexico, wow. uh, to get donations of food. Uh, so, so, is it like the ugly produce? Or? <clears throat> it is. Uh-huh. It is. Uh, it's it's oftentimes number twos, uh-huh. number two quality. Uh, so oftentimes it's it's too large, too small, got a blemish, misshapen, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, but it but it's been terrific uh, for us in terms of of bringing in um, things that are nutritious. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the same time frame, we we kind of pushed out all the sugary beverages that used to be donated so liberally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you take those anymore? No, no, we try not to. Occasionally, mm-hmm. someone will sneak a pallet onto <laughs> a truck, and it ends up in our warehouse. But uh, no, we 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 we're in a city where space is really valuable. Uh, a lot of food banks in the Midwest, they are sprawling food mm-hmm. banks. Uh, we have to look at every pallet position as extremely valuable. And mm-hmm. if we're filling it with, with sugary drinks, we're not filling it with something nutritious. Those boxes are stacked so high in the warehouse, too. Yeah, yeah. we try kind to make like the, the, the taller ones up in the uh, higher racks, yeah. or the taller, lighter ones up in the, up in the racks. Uh-huh. Cereal, for example. You're listening to my interview with Paul Ash of the San Francisco Food Bank. We'll be right back. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with Paul Ash of the San Francisco Food Bank. So do you get most donations, or do you have to buy food as well? We, we do have to buy some food, and this goes back to your question earlier. Most often, our purchases are toward uh, protein items, mm-hmm. uh, those, those eggs or that, that chicken. It's hard to get uh, meat or protein items donated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably one of the biggest places for our, our food purchase budget. Uh, the other place is we do pay the farmers and growers and packers uh, a small fee, less than 10 cents usually per pound. Uh, for for the produce, it it covers some of their costs, uh, makes them. It really changes us from being someone with our hands out to being a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though the the transaction is small uh, and, and modest and a great deal for us, uh, it does put us in a different category than just someone wanting to have get free food. And are they bringing it to you, or are you going and getting it? 
We pay for the trucking. Uh, our, again, space keeps us from owning a fleet of trucks and operating them, so we use hired trucking mm-hmm. uh, to bring in the product. Then we have our own trucks. We have 18, uh, 30-foot, 22-foot mm-hmm. type of trucks uh, to do deliveries around San Francisco and Marin. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as food comes in, how long does it take before it's distributed to students or families? It it varies. The produce, we try to turn around as soon as possible. Uh, So we even have a rhythm during the week to where we try to get the produce in early in the week Mm -hmm. and then not take produce donations on, say, a Friday because we don't want it sitting over the weekend. Um, We get product from the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, through some programs they have for seniors. And that is highly regulated distribution. So that can sit there for like two or three months in mm-hmm. our warehouse. And we, we don't like that because it that's space that could be turned over several times if we had product that was uh, we, that we could move quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear often from readers about they spot elderly women who receive grocery bags from the food pantries selling the food around Midmarket and Civic Center. And some people are angry to see that going on. What's your opinion of that? Well, my opinion is it's wrong, it's bad, it's it's not a good thing. Uh, It actually goes to the question you just asked, or at least the answer I gave about the regulated program for the government. We have found that when you offer people the food that they want, farmer's market style, that kind of thing doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But that's the one program we operate where we have to give people a bag of food and they have to take it or not mm. take it, but they can't take some of it. Mm. Uh, and that, we believe, is is one of the reasons we get food out there uh, that people are willing to give away to other people who may in turn sell it. Mm. And it's a small group of people. Uh, we have had people speak to them and let them know that it's discouraging for other people to see this. Um, that doesn't work or hasn't worked completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not the kind of offense that the police department is interested <laughs> in enforcing. No one wants to... Uh, haul away an elderly person in handcuffs for, for selling some food. Um, but it is it is unattractive and discouraging for, mm-hmm. for people who see it and people who support the food bank and certainly for those of us who work there. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of have to look the other way because not much can really be done. Not much can be done, and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction right. of the food we distribute. And as people sit down to their Thanksgiving meals with, you know, often more food than one family could ever Eat in a day. Yeah. Is there something you'd like for them to remember? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, this time of year, you know, uh, there's all the usual messages, but but I think I think maybe if you zoom back a little bit, back away from the issue a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, just looking at, at something that I've been tracking for probably 15 years, and and now is is discussed more much more frequently. But income inequality. Mm-hmm. If if you look back at the data. And and I actually found this through the food industry. The food industry in the in the early 2000s, I, I saw an interesting article about they were starting to change. One of the big cereal manufacturers was starting to change over their lines of cereal, and they were getting away from having a top line or a medium line and a top line, mm-hmm. and they were going to create this value line. And they cited they cited the Gini coefficient. I thought, what is that? I studied economics in college. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that. Uh, but that's essentially the income inequality index. Mm-hmm. And and what, what you see happening over the past 50, 60 years is, is just this huge increase in 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 the in a small number of haves who have an awful lot mm-hmm. and sort of the hollowing out of the middle class people who can you know 
aspire to the American dream, mm-hmm. you know, being able just, just to work hard and, and save enough to, you know, have their kids go to college and mm-hmm. not, not have debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, not have to and, eat at food banks. Right. Not have to eat at food banks uh, and retire themselves uh, w- with dignity. Mm-hmm. And it looks like if you, if you look at the data that that group is, is disappearing or, or becoming very, very small and you get a lot of have nots and, and a very few haves at mm-hmm. the very top. Yeah. That's obviously very apparent yeah. here in San Francisco. Yeah. So I think that that's what I would ask people to think about is, mm-hmm. uh, is that healthy for us as mm-hmm. a country? Is that really where we want to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a platform that, that we can grow successfully going forward? Right. Well, you've survived the serious questions, and now yeah. it's time for the lightning round. Where is your favorite place to get a burrito? Ooh, um, you know, I go to Cactus Taqueria in uh, Oakland uh-huh. on College Ave. Pretty frequently. So <laughs> What's I've, your order I, there? Uh, my order, I look at the special. I oftentimes like to get a, a taco, a single soft taco and soup, whatever the soup is. Pozzoli is what I'm hoping for. Uh-huh. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Ooh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. And, and that is because the producer of the Maltese Falcon um, set up a, um, a trust after when he was alive, and mm-hmm. he has since died. And since that time, we have received a check for $25,000 a year, every single year. Wow. Uh, so the Maltese Falcon is still providing dividends for the San Francisco Marine That Food is Bank. an excellent piece of trivia yeah. for listeners of yeah. City Insider. Where is your favorite place to go for a stiff drink? Ooh. You know, I don't take many stiff drinks. I'm more <laughs> of a wine person. That counts. Uh, but wine. Uh, I, I have been recently at the bar at Maraud. Okay. What was your first concert? Oh, I was telling my kids about this. Uh, it was a James Taylor concert, and Carol King was the intro band or singer. Mm-hmm. How fun. Uh, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a great concert. What was the last book you read? Oh, I just reread something. Uh, it was called, it's called The World Rushed In. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, a, an interesting uh, uh, history of San Francisco and oh. the gold rush. Oh, cool. You recommend it? Oh, yes. Highly. Great. I've given it to many people. Use books. Uh-huh. And are you a foodie or are you sick of food at the end of your workday? No, I, I love cooking. I, I like simple food, so I don't know if I'd be called a foodie, uh, but I love to make things. I was mentioning earlier, we're Got a little apple tree in the backyard. Mm-hmm. We're making a pie this weekend. Uh, persimmons are my are my most recent. Uh, wanting to make different things out of persimmon. Persimmon bread this last week. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite restaurant in the city? Ooh, favorite. That is hard. Um, I would say right now I would stick with Murad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a drinking and eating there recently, <laughs> and I, hard to beat. And do you ever feel guilty about eating a nice dinner out considering who you work with every day, or do you feel like you deserve it? I would say the latter, but I wanted to ask you. Well, thank you. I, I don't feel either of those. Uh-huh. I, I don't feel guilty. Uh, you know, I, I do you deserve something? You know, everyone has a certain amount of resources, and you allocate them out, and some people might choose to splurge on one big fancy meal or have uh-huh. a bunch of others. Um, it, you know, I, I don't feel guilty. Uh, when I have a nice meal. <laughs> and lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Uh, good cup of coffee in the morning. I always like to know what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So a, a read of the newspaper, the mm-hmm. old-fashioned newspaper. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in the right building for that. 
Great. Well, it was fun to have you on. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me here. Thank you to Paul Ash for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.